following is a sermon that was preached at Good News Lutheran Church in Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. It was preached on Sunday, December 31st, 2023, on the basis of Luke 2, verses 22 through 40. For more information or to view our entire sermon library, visit goodnewslc.org. Thank you for listening. C.S. Lewis is famous for writing The Chronicles of Narnia, but he wrote another fascinating book. Well, he wrote a lot of fascinating books, but one of them is called The Screwtape Letters. And in the Screwtape Letters, they're a collection of fictional letters written by a demon named Screwtape. And Screwtape is an older, more experienced demon, and he's writing these letters to his nephew, who is just starting out in his career of tempting humans. Screwtape has all this advice to give to his nephew, all these ways, these tactics that he's learned to, get hum to tempt humans, to get them to lose focus on their faith. And one of these pieces of, of advice that Screwtape offers his nephew is to get humans to focus on their future. He says, if we can get humans to think about their future, we can get them to think about unrealities. At the new year, we often focus on unrealities. We normally put a more positive spin on it. There's a sense of potential in the new year, a sense of that we can change ourselves for the better. Whether you make New Year's resolutions or whether you don't, or whether you do but you have no intention of keeping them, the air around the new year is one of opportunity for improvement. But as Screwtape warns us, this can be dangerous because when we start to focus on improving our futures, we start to focus on ourselves and our determination to make ourselves better. Now, this is not going to be a sermon on the evils of New Year's resolutions. New Year's resolutions are just fine. But there is a better way of looking at the future. And in our gospel lesson today, we meet two people who, for most of their lives, were focusing on the future. Simeon and Anna spent their lives waiting for the future, but they did so while being grounded in the past. They were focused on God's past promises that he would send his Messiah. And because they were focused on God's past promises, they were ready to see true change when it happened. When, Jesus and, or when Mary and Joseph brought the baby Jesus into the temple, you might say that God goes to church. And when God goes to church, true change happens. Change that isn't an unreality, change that isn't about us making ourselves into better people, but change when God sets us free by making us his dwelling place. In the first three verses of our reading, Luke tells us so much about Mary and Joseph. By bringing Jesus to the temple, Mary and Joseph are proving that they are God-fearing believers. They were fulfilling a law, following a law, that people had been following for centuries, ever since the exodus out of Egypt when God struck down the firstborns of the Egyptians but preserved the firstborns of the Israelites, ever since that time, God had required his people to redeem their firstborns. They would bring their firstborn to the temple and they would offer a sacrifice, a lamb and a small bird, to redeem them. And God had them do this so that they were remind, reminded that their firstborns were a gift from him. So Mary and Joseph do just that. They offer 
a sacrifice to redeem Jesus. Now, they couldn't afford a lamb, so they offered two birds instead. We obviously don't do this anymore. We don't offer these sacrifices. God made this whole list of hundreds of laws and sacrifices that he gave to the Israelites, but they were temporary laws and sacrifices. They served as kind of an object lesson for the people. God wanted the people to realize two things. One, that they could never be as perfect as he was because all of these laws were impossible to keep. And two, that sacrifice needs to be made to redeem people from their sins. Everywhere the Israelites looked in the temple, there was another reminder that they were sinful. God's presence dwelt in what was called the most holy place. And separating God's presence from all of the people was a curtain that was a foot thick. It was very clear that the people were not able to go into God's presence. And all the sacrifices that were going on, dozens and hundreds every day, reminded the people that they constantly sinned and they constantly needed to be redeemed from their sin. They were slaves to sin. They needed to be bought back from their sins. Sometimes we think that being a Christian is a lot easier than living as a Jewish believer at that time because we don't have to follow all those hundreds of laws and sacrifices. But when we think that, we're missing the point because we are no less sinful than those people were. Just like it was impossible for them to keep all of those laws, it is impossible for us to keep all those laws. God's law still reminds us that we constantly sin. And we are constantly reminded that there is no sacrifice we can make, no amount of good we can do, no self-improvement that we can try to redeem ourselves before God. We are sinful. We are imperfect. We need a redeemer. And that's why God going to church is such good news. When Mary and Joseph brought the baby Jesus into the temple, Simeon recognized him immediately, not because Jesus had some halo or he had some special glow around him, but somehow the Holy Spirit clued Simeon in to know that this baby is completely different than all the other firstborns that were being brought that day. When Simeon took the baby Jesus into his arms, he says that now that he's seen this baby, he is dismissed. And that word dismissed is a loaded word. It has the sense of being set free being redeemed. So this baby who was brought to be redeemed with two small birds was actually Simeon's redeemer. He was the perfect sacrifice that sufficed for all of Simeon's sins. And Simeon knows that this sacrifice isn't just for him. Simeon says that the baby Jesus is a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Jesus sets all people free because he is God himself. And when God himself sacrificed himself, because he is perfect, because he never sinned, his sin counts for all of us. Yes, we continue to sin, but we no longer need to continue to keep making sacrifices to redeem ourselves from our sin because Jesus was the one sacrifice made for all. And if Jesus had not done that, then our New Year's resolutions would be a lot more serious because we would have to turn ourselves into perfect people or else face the wrath of God. But 
Jesus has been the sacrifice for us. He gives us perfect peace. He sets us free from our sin. And like, like Simeon, we can breathe a sigh of relief because no matter what happens in the next year, we know that every day we are at peace with God. We are set free from our sins. Simeon hands the baby Jesus back to Mary and Joseph, and Luke tells us something interesting. He says that Mary and Joseph were amazed at everything that Simeon had said to them. It's interesting to put ourselves in Mary and Joseph's shoes. By this point, they know very well exactly who their baby Jesus is. They know that he is the Davidic king. They know he's the Messiah. They heard from the shepherds that he is good news of great joy for all people. And yet still, they are trying to wrap their minds around what this baby means for them. This message that Jesus redeems them from all their sins was so revolutionary, so disruptive to their way of thinking, that they're still trying to put all the pieces together. They're still amazed. Up until this point, everything that has been said, everything that they know about Jesus has been positive. But Simeon's about to change that. Simeon gives them three warnings about their baby. First, he says, this child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel. Then he says that Jesus' road isn't going to be easy. Jesus is a sign who will be spoken against. He will be opposed, which makes sense, because if he's going to be the sacrifice for all people, he needs to be sacrificed. He will need to die. And thirdly, Simeon says that Jesus' hearers will have a rough time as well. Simeon prophesies that thoughts will be revealed and hearts will be pierced. If you're like me, when you hear the phrase, hearts will be pierced, you think of a smaller blade, maybe a dagger, piercing the heart, which is plenty deadly on its own. But the word that Simeon uses actually means a broadsword, a sword that was so large and heavy you needed two hands to wield it. That's the sword that's going through the hearts of Jesus' followers. This is a violent image that Simeon is painting for us. And it makes us question, how does this baby who gave Simeon perfect peace also come with such a deadly message? Because when Jesus brings us peace, it comes hand in hand with a death, the death of our sinful nature. To follow Jesus, we have to kill our sinful nature. We have to kill any idea that we could do it on our own. Now, I'd be surprised if anyone here this morning actually thought that you could be perfect before God. We know we're imperfect. We know we're sinful. And maybe our temptation looks more like this, that we don't finish the job on our sinful nature. We let it hang around. We let it coexist with our faith in Jesus. And when we do that, it's tempting to shrink down our message of Jesus that we have received into a nice size so we can slot it in with all the other ideas and beliefs that we already have. When we do that, we make Jesus' message serve us instead of us serving it. Jesus becomes a tool to make ourselves into better people. I don't think anyone would say it this way, but for some people, unfortunately, Jesus is a means to their end. He is a tool that they can use to become better people, or at least to be seen by others as better people. But Jesus demands so much more from us than to just be a facet of our lives. 
Simeon says that Jesus causes the rising and the falling. Jesus is the fork in the road, and there's no middle path. Either you're all in on Jesus, or you're in the falling category. And anything short of complete dependence on Jesus puts you in that falling category. But that category is the natural one for us to go in. Because going all in on Jesus is a challenge. It requires us to come to terms that when Jesus uncovers our deepest thoughts and desires, there is nothing there worthy of God. It requires us to accept that we can do nothing towards our own redemption. This message of Jesus is a sword through our hearts. But Jesus gives it to us for a reason. He tells us this so that we will give up on ourselves. We will give up on any hope that we had to redeem ourselves, any idea that we could change ourselves for the better. And when we do that, we realize that instead of trying to get into God's presence, God's presence came to us. Jesus came to us as a human, born under the law to redeem us from under the law. Jesus not only reveals all our sins, but he came to redeem each and every one of them. Every single sinful thought, word, or action that you've committed has been washed in the perfect sacrifice of Jesus' blood, and you are now perfect before God. And in fact, Jesus doesn't even stop there. Jesus doesn't just bring God's presence among us, he brings God's presence into us. Jesus doesn't just go to church, he makes us his church. God's presence, which used to have to be separated from us by that thick curtain that symbolized sinfulness, now is closer to us than we are to ourselves. And because Jesus is our perfect sacrifice, he occupies our lives completely. He wants to make his home, his home in our hearts and come to dwell within us. He's not just one part of us. He wants to change our lives completely. And when he does that, he brings with him all those blessings that we heard about in Colossians. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, love, peace. The peace of Christ rules in our hearts. God makes his dwelling in us. That's change for the better. And we have two prime examples of what it looks like when the peace of Christ rules in someone's heart. Simeon is so confident that he is redeemed from all his sins that he says he's ready to die. He could die that day if, he, if God was willing to take him. Or he could live another 100 years, whatever God decided. Simeon was ready to be dismissed because he was confident that he was worthy to live in God's presence because that Jesus had redeemed him. Anna is also confident in her redemption, and she's so confident that she can't help but tell other people about it. She finds the nearest group of people, and she starts to tell them what Jesus would do for her. When the peace of Christ rules in our hearts, it expels all the worries and replaces them with confident joy. We no longer have to worry about whether we're good enough for God. Instead, we have the joy that in God's eyes, we are as perfect as Jesus is. So as we look into our future and into the most important part of our future, our eternity, there are no more unrealities. There is only the one reality that we can never improve on what Jesus has made us to be. 
Amen.